Revelation, the only book of the Bible that comes with a promise to bless you, my friend. Yeah, you. If you read it, hear it, or go through it. And that's what we're doing right now, you guys. We're in chapter two now, and we're looking at the church of Smyrna, the second church of the golden, the seven golden lampstand, right? Because it says in chapter one that the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. The menorah was the picture of the churches, you guys. So here we are. We're in the second one right now. Let's dive right into the scriptures. Okay. So let's go back to this one real quick. So Revelation, blessed are those who read, hear, and keep it. And it is the only book in the Bible that comes with a promise, you guys. A promise to you to be blessed. All right, so we're looking at church history, but we're also looking at Smyrna, the church of Smyrna, just as it is. Like it was an actual church when John wrote the book of Revelation They were an actual church, and there was a pastor named Polycarp who was trained and mentored by John the Apostle. Isn't that cool? So we're going to look at it that way. We're also going to look at that church as the persecuted church, which goes from 100 AD to 312 AD. All right, so here we are. We're in church history. where We know that the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus said that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, and the menorah was always a picture of us, the church. Now, that does not mean that God is done with Israel. A lot of Christians believe that. They think the church has replaced Israel. That is false. That's not true. Because Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, is described as our great high priest And the great high priest was always standing among the golden lampstands, the seven golden lampstands, the menorah, to keep oil poured into it, a picture of the Holy Spirit, poured into it so it shines brightly. We're the light of the world, Jesus said. He was the light of the world. He also said that you are the light of the world as a believer. So we are that light. But over his heart were the 12 precious stones of Israel. You're right. And they never left him. They never left being over his heart. He has them over his heart right now. And he loves Israel. And he has a plan for them, just like Joseph had a plan. Or he didn't have a plan. God had a plan. But he worked through Joseph. And he was a type of Christ, a picture of Jesus Christ. And Joseph saved his brothers during that seven-year time of trouble. But during that time, his Gentile bride was already with him, right? So it's a beautiful picture, you guys. Okay. Now, let's look right into uh, the scripture again. So, actually, we're going to look at the timeline real quick. We always want to do that. I always forget that, by the way. Okay, so the timeline. B.C. means before Christ. A.D., Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Zero A.D. is the year Jesus was born, according to history. And at 32 A.D., he died on the cross. We know he was 33 years old when he died, and we don't count the zero, so it was 32 A.D. And I did a whole episode on that in Daniel. You might want to check out. And it shows that he his actual day of the triumphal entry or the Palm Sunday was predicted by Daniel to the very day. So it is really cool. All right, so we know that BC counts down, right? All these prophets and and uh, all these leaders of Israel, it all counts down to this big magnanimous moment. This just great moment when Jesus was born and then he died on the cross for our sins and he was raised from the dead. So Paul was right around 35 AD and the temple was destroyed right around 70 AD, just as Jesus said it would be. And then at 95 AD, we know that John 
the revelator, John, who wrote the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, was on the island of Patmos, as it says. And here we're going through what I believe is the church age and also the seven churches, which are in the book of Revelation, described in the book of Revelation. So here's a closer um a closer up of, of a timeline, what we're looking at here is the cross, where Jesus died on the cross, and then he was raised from the dead, and he was with the disciples, and then he ascended to heaven. And then we had the church age, as we see right here, the church age. And we see the church of Ephesus. I did that in my last episode. You might want to check that out, you guys. It It's it's really cool because these churches apply to us personally as believers too. So you can get something really good of, of what this letter that Jesus gives to the church of Ephesus at that time can apply to you personally and to me personally. And it also shows us a picture of church history as well, because that was a picture, I believe, of the early church. Okay, and now we're going through the Church of Smyrna, which was the persecuted church. And I believe that this represents 100 to 312 AD. That doesn't mean it wasn't around when John wrote the book of Revelation, right? We know that when he wrote the book of Revelation, right around 95 AD, we know that Church of Smyrna was there in Asia Minor. But why did God choose these particular seven churches? I mean, he could have picked uh, the Church of Corinthians. He could have picked the Roman Church. All these, there were so many different churches at that time, but he picked these ones in particular, I believe, to show us how church was going to go through phases in church history. That's what I believe. And it also speaks to us personally, of course. We know that too. All right, so Polycarp, he was the pastor of this church of Smyrna. And um, and it's going to be so good. And Polycarp was right around, uh, he was born in 69 AD, just before the destruction of the temple. And he lived to be about, uh, I think it was 155 uh, AD, which, you know, he wasn't 155 years old, but he lived to a, a ripe old age of 86 when he was martyred. Okay, so let's keep going in these scriptures, you guys. Okay. So, Revelation chapter 2, let's get into it, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. We know that is speaking of Jesus, none other than Jesus. He is the word of life. He is the first and the last. In other words, he's outside of time. He was the beginning and the end. A time is not... Uh, something that controls God. God is not subject to time. Time is subject to God. All right? So that's what we see there. So here, uh, the word angel in that scripture. So when you see, uh, when we're writing these letters to the angel, it may be an angel, but it also could be a pastor because the word angel is a, it could mean a messenger, especially an angel by implication, but it could be a pastor so it could be letters to the leaders of these churches. Um, it depends on how you want to interpret that. So, so the Church of Smyrna, you guys, let's look at this. The Church of Smyrna with Pastor Polycarp. He's actually a bishop, but bishop is the same thing as an overseer, same thing as elder, which is also the same thing as pastor. It's a leader of a church, okay? It doesn't mean they're not a sheep anymore because you're still one of God's sheep, but you get to work for the shepherd, the great shepherd. Some people like to call themselves shepherds. I, I'm real careful about that because we're overseers 
but we're still sheep because we belong to Jesus and he is the great shepherd, only he. All right, so Polycarp. Polycarp, it's kind of a funny name, Polycarp, you know, like a, like the fish, Polly, and then the fish carp, but don't think of it that way. This guy was awesome, okay? Check this out. Tradition says that he was personally mentored by the apostle John and that he was appointed as bishop or overseer of Smyrna. That's the church of Smyrna, right? And, and this is modern uh, Izmir in Turkey, and it's a real beautiful place on the Mediterranean Sea. So can you imagine it, guys, being mentored by and a friend of the Apostle John? I am so jealous. Wouldn't you like to be mentored by John? That is so awesome. But Polycarp was probably saying, Man, John, you got to be mentored by Jesus, the great teacher. And he may have been jealous about that, but uh, but he was mentored by Jesus because the Holy Spirit as a believer lives in you and you have a relationship with God, a close relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus speaks to you in that way. So, and through his word, right? We want to make sure we, we know that God speaks to us like 99% of the time through his word, the scriptures, the Bible. And that's where most of your, when God speaks to you, that's where it comes from. Now, sometimes he'll speak through people, um, even non-believers, through them to show you something. That can happen as well, but mostly it's through, and prayer also, but mostly it's through the scriptures, you guys. Okay, Um, let's continue on in this uh, slide here. So the word Smyrna derives from myrrh. Remember, myrrh was one of the three things that they brought, the wise men brought to Jesus when his birth happened, right? They brought gold, which speaks of a king. And then they brought frankincense, which speaks of a priest, because the priest would give out the incense, right? Which were a picture of the prayers to God. And then the myrrh, which really doesn't really belong there, but the myrrh is all about uh, embalming somebody. It's for death. There's spices that were for somebody's death okay and so that's we know that myrrh it's it's something that comes from um the word smyrna the church of smyrna comes from myrrh and myrrh was crushed and that's how they got the sap from it the, the that they would use for the embalming okay so so that's what we see here now in revelation uh chapter two jesus says this to them i know your tribulation. So this speaks of a church that's going through persecution and tribulation. So here it is again on that timeline. So there was the church of Ephesus, the early church that was from 32 to 33 to 100 AD, speaking historically and how it represented history. And then the church of Smyrna was the persecuted church, which would be from 100 to 312 AD. And this spoke of a lot of persecution during this time. So that's what we see here. All right, so let's move on on the slides here. So here's a map, okay? And uh, these are the seven churches where they are in what would be modern-day Turkey, but what they called Asia Minor in Bible times. So here's Greece, Italy would be way over here. And here's the Mediterranean Sea. Israel is down here. And uh, here's Cyprus. And uh, so this is where they were. And this was actually a postal route on the roads of Rome. So they would, you could actually do a postal route here. So these are letters to these seven churches right here. And we did Ephesus first, which was a port city right here in this beautiful Aegean Sea. 
near the island of Patmos, and now we're in Smyrna, which was north of that. Now, here's a picture. Remember the inside the Titus archway, and this is the seven golden lampstand being carried away to Rome. In other words, the church was being carried away and spread out throughout the Roman Empire, and that's a picture of us as believers, you guys. Okay, so here's Ephesus again. This is... Um, these are ruins and are very, very well-preserved ruins. Look at these columns. And I think this was a library, not, not Ephesus, I'm sorry, Smyrna. I think this was actually a library, but there was, this was just beautiful architecture that the Romans did. And you could still see it to this day. You can go on a tour there and you can actually see all this really cool stuff there, archaeology-wise. All right, cool stuff, right? So Here's a, a painting that I found. So this kind of this is what the city of Smyrna would look like. Another port city like the city of Ephesus, right? Um, beautiful harbor here and a port where the goods would come in. Here you can see a Colosseum and it's beautiful Mediterranean trees and warm and very sunny there. Um, so that's what we see. And this this was right around 155 A.D. Okay. So Polycarp, this guy had some backbone, okay? He was a courageous man. He was mentored by John the Apostle, who was also a courageous man. We know that. And he confronted one of the church's most troublesome heretics, the Gnostics. And it was particularly the Gnostic Marcion, or you could say Marcion. I'll just call him Marcion from now on. So this guy, Marcion, was a big time Gnostic. Okay. And we're going to, and I, I'm actually, I did an episode on that. Um, you're going to see a detailed episode about the Gnostics and what they're all about. If you want more information, you can click on that one, that video. And by the way, you guys, if you have not subscribed yet, please hit that button down below, subscribe, and then also hit the little bell. You'll get all the latest episodes. You won't miss anything and comment down below as well because i'd love to hear your comments on what you guys think even if you disagree with me i don't care i'd love to hear them anyway all right so polycarp uh he represented or he was the pastor of uh this church in smyrna and he dealt with this guy named marcion calling him the firstborn of satan when he ran into him in rome Whoa, that's not very loving, right? That that doesn't seem very Christian-like to call this guy the firstborn of Satan. Well, sometimes that's tough love. Sometimes God will use a man or a woman uh, who follows him to, to speak truth to somebody in love, but sometimes tough love. Sometimes you're, the whole thing is to wake somebody up. I mean, here in the book of Revelation, we're going to see God dealing with the earth, the, those who were unbelievers on this earth, and he's going to give them a very tough, tough time on this earth. Why? I believe it's tough love. He's trying to shake them to wake up, to follow him, to be saved, not to go to choose to go to hell because hell's a horrible place, and he's trying to wake them up with some very hard and radical times, and that's what we're going to see in the book of Revelation and particularly, you're going to see it from chapter 6 through 19. That's the Great Tribulation. That's where it gets really, really crazy. All right? Okay, so let's continue on. So uh, Marcion, he, uh, 
He was uh, of Sinope in Rome. So that's over by the Black Sea, uh, the eastern, southeastern side of the Black Sea. And that was around the year, he was around the year 144 AD when he was really active. And he had a lot of money. And what he did was, was he actually gave the church in Rome up to what is equivalent to today of $2 million dollars. Okay, so $2 million, and they were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you a Christian. Come on in. We'll take the money. But then they found out, so he started to like come in as a wolf, basically, in sheep's clothing, acting like a Christian, really wasn't, okay? He, he was a heretic. But he came in acting like he was a Christian, and he was trying to get followers uh, to follow him, and he was not good. And you're about to see why. You're going to see why this leader of the Gnosticism during this time was so bad, and why Gnostic Gnosticism is bad as well. We're going to look at that right now, guys. Okay, so Marcion, he was around uh, during uh, this time in Smyrna, which was like 144 when he got confronted. I believe it was like 144, 155 AD, and he died in 160 AD. So he was a Gnostic who rejected the Old Testament. This guy rejected the Old Testament. Not good. Not good, guys. And 16 New Testament books. He rejected the Jewish God, Yahweh. And then there was another guy later on, okay? Totally different period from 184 to 254 AD. And his name is Origen. And this guy was an educator in Alexandria. That's in Egypt, okay? And that's where a lot of our text comes from today and in, in our Bibles and things like that. But he used a Gnostic-style allegorical interpretation of Scripture, which was basically over-spiritualizing the Scriptures, okay? If it was something was difficult, they would over-spiritualize it so that it was like, this is what it really means. I know it's a difficult Scripture, but here's what it means. Or you might have heard somebody say that about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, you can't understand it. It's all symbolic. Here, let me tell you what it means. It's all allegorical, right? Um, this is what this means, and this is what that means. That's what they were doing with the scriptures, but they took it to an extreme level. Some things are allegorical. Some things do represent something as a symbol or sign, kind of like the menorah is not really the church, but it's a symbol of the church, right? But we have to be very careful with scripture. Only use that when the scripture tells you it's a symbol. You don't want to over-spiritualize the scriptures. And that's what these two guys did, Marcion and Origen as well. Origen preached against the Gnostics, but he borrowed from a lot of what they believed. And you're about to see some more of what this guy did too. So, all right, we'll look more into that. So the definition of Gnosticism, okay? So it's from the Greek uh, here we see gnosis, like like uh, you know, like prognosis, like a a doctor will tell you the prognosis looks good for you or it doesn't look good for you, and it's knowledge. That's all it means. It's just gnosis is knowledge, and they believe the physical world is all evil. And another thing these guys did was that they said they had secret knowledge. Be careful of anybody who tells you they have secret knowledge or like a fresh revelation. This is a new revelation that's that that's not even in the Bible. This is something new. Run away from them. That's going to be wrong. <laughs> Trust me. We follow what the Bible says, God's word. So these people think they had secret knowledge. They believed the physical world was all evil and only secret spiritual knowledge can free people from this physical world. That's what they believed. 
And Marcion, throughout the Old Testament, he said it was just that even the God of the Old Testament, he said, was a different deity than the Father of Jesus. And he was trying to, he would say that the Father of Jesus was a different, more supreme deity who was more loving and kind, that, that the Old Testament God was, was just too severe and mean, and, and uh, that he, he wasn't even the, the God of the New Testament or the Father of Jesus. This stuff is out there, guys. This is weird stuff, right? And Paul warned that the wolves would come into these churches, and he warned the church of Ephesus about these guys and other churches as well. So, so that's what we're seeing. So Polycarp himself, he had little education, and he was unpretentious, humble, and very direct, right? But he called him Satan, the firstborn of Satan, this Marcion Gnostic guy. So, so that's what we're seeing here, and I love that because the early disciples, remember, the, they were preaching with authority and power, and the educated religious leaders were like, who are these uneducated men? Well, it doesn't take an education to preach the Word of God with power and authority. It is always by the Holy Spirit, right? And like just like Zechariah says, not by might or power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's how we preach, with power by the Holy Spirit. There was another guy in church history later on, um, by the, the man by the name of Moody, D.L. Moody. I'm sure you've heard of him. And he wasn't educated well either. In fact, he, would, he wasn't good with words. Um, you could, people knew, they could tell he wasn't that educated, but he preached with power. And he preached with power because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and God used that man mightily. He was very humble too, just like uh, Polycarp was also humble as we look at what it says right here about him. Very humble and direct. Okay, love that. <laughs> All right. So when several Christians were executed at the arena in Smyrna, the crowd began to chant. So this is later on after Polycarp confronted Marcion. Marcion moved on out of the Roman church and out of these churches, and he went and just started his own thing. So later on, we're seeing now we're going to see this persecution heating up for these Christians, and this is what's going on. So this is right around uh, 160 A.D., and here it says that there were several Christians were executed at the arena. Here's the arena, right? In Smyrna. And the crowd began to chant, Away with the atheists! Find Polycarp! Away with the atheists! So the Romans, guys, the Romans called Christians atheists. Why? Because they were not polytheistic. Remember, the Romans believed in these many, many gods, right? And if you didn't believe in their gods, they said you were an unbeliever, basically. You were an atheist, and that's what was going on here. But they were ignorant because they were the true atheists because their gods were fake and false. They were not even gods at all. They were just statues made out of, out of rock or marble or wood. The true God, Yahweh, the true God is invisible. Our Father is invisible. He's spirit, and he was made manifest, and God was made manifest in the flesh as God the Son, Jesus Christ. And they are separate. There are There is a trinity, you guys. Don't let anybody fool you on that. There is God the Father, God the Son, 
and God, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, three in one, very unique and different personalities. Some people say, you know, what are you talking about? That's That doesn't sound right. God's, there's only one God. Or some, some people say it's Jesus only. Some people say it's the Father only. I mean, there's so much crazy stuff out there. And whenever somebody or any individual group or whatever, they attack the Trinity, the triuneness of God, that's when you know that they're a cult, whenever the Trinity is attacked. So always watch for that. Okay. So they were chanting in this arena, right? They were chanting, away with the atheist, find Polycarp. So these people were bloodthirsty and they wanted to see Polycarp killed and martyred. That's what was going on. So when he heard the Roman officials were intent on arresting him, he decided to wait for them at home. The guy wasn't even stressed out or worried. He just waits at home for the Roman soldiers to come and arrest him wasn't even worried. So he also surrendered peacefully. He did not fight back. He knew that this was his time, and I believe the Holy Spirit was in him so richly and burning in his heart so greatly that he was at peace with it. So at the judgment seat, Polycarp standing before this judgment seat, the Roman governor said to this 86-year-old pastor, have respect for your old age. Say away with the atheist, he tells him, right? Now watch this. It gets really funny. Watch this. This guy has a sense of humor. He then surveyed those. He looks all intently at the arena and the people in front of him. He looked intently at those who accused him, pointed at them. And he said, away with the atheists. Whoa, this guy has some courage, doesn't he? He's got some backbone. Away with the atheists, he points at them. Wow. So then he turned back toward the governor saying, 86 years I have served Christ and he has done me no wrong. So how can I blaspheme my king, the one who has saved me. And he wouldn't do it. So they had him tied to the stake and he was to be burned uh, to death. Uh, they say, according to church history, that, uh, that the fire would not reach him. And they got real agitated by that. One of the Roman soldiers pierced his shoulder and they said that blood came down and kept putting the fire out. But eventually he was uh, martyred, whether it was burning or some other way. Um, but he's in heaven right now, you guys. He's in perfect peace with God. And I picked this picture because it's a beautiful lake in Italy. And just look how beautiful it is. It's like the, the gates into heaven. So at 155, I'm sorry, the date was 155 AD. Polycarp, Pastor Polycarp of the Church of Smyrna, went to heaven into paradise with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to do that too when you die? Because we're all going to die. We, unless Jesus comes back, we have a death certificate, a guarantee to die. In fact, I had a boss who was an atheist. He was not a Christian. And he said that one time at work. And I said, you know what? You're right about that. We are all guaranteed to die. We all have a certificate of death waiting for us. 
And if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do that. I work with a lot of guys that talk about the retirement all the time. And oh, it's like, like they're going to go to heaven. I'm, I'm going to retire. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to have all this money and time. I'm, and it's just going to just do whatever I want. It's going to be great. And a lot of times these guys die within a year, a couple years. They're miserable in retirement or they're just living for themselves. That's not the ultimate retirement. The ultimate retirement, my friend, is when you die and where you go forever and ever and ever. There's two places the Bible says. You either go to the place of torment and then eventually hell, which is a real place. Of, and it's not a place of parting. You're not going to know other people in there. You're going to be burning in pitch black, oily darkness forever and ever. Total torment. It was not designed for humans. It was designed for the Satan and his angels, his fallen uh, angels, the demons. It was designed for them, not us. But if you choose to go there because you don't choose Christ, you will go there. Or you can choose Christ and be born again and go to paradise where Polycarp is and where John is and Moses and Elijah and David and and where Jesus is, the main thing, right? That could be you. At the end of this episode, I'll give you this opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to be born again as a child of God, and you will go to heaven when you die or if he returns before that. All right. Okay, let's continue on with our scriptures, you guys. Let's look at them right now. So Revelation chapter 2. I know your tribulation, verse 9 here, and your poverty, but you are rich. Jesus is speaking to this persecuted church in Smyrna, and he says, but you are rich. And the slander, or the footnote says blasphemy, of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you are about to suffer. So back here he said, uh, you've been putting up with a slander from these people, right? Because these people would, would say that they're not following the true God. And, and they were, I mean, this poor church was getting it from all sides, guys. They were getting it from the Jewish people who were uh, non-believers. Now, a lot of them were believers, by the way. Most of the uh, church was Jewish in the early church, but a lot of them weren't. And they were getting it from them. They were getting it from the Romans. They were getting a lot of persecution at this time. But Jesus said, you are rich. Because a lot of times the way they would persecute you in those days is that you would be rejected and just out on the street. You couldn't buy or sell. And you would just beg for food. It was a, a really a, a horrible thing. But God was with these people as they suffered. All right. So, verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Now, the interpretation of that 10 days, uh, some scholars say that it meant like the 10 um, year or the 10 different Roman emperors, which happened in secession right after, during this time. And these were guys that were persecuting the church greatly all, all the way up until Constantine or Constantinople. Um, so these emperors, there was 10 of them from this point on, and they were very cruel uh, to the Christians in particular. So that could be what this 10 days was speaking of. Uh, but Jesus is saying, uh, 
you'll have this tribulation, uh, but you know, not to worry, he's going to be with them. So Revelation chapter 2, he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Don't you want to be faithful to death and have a crown of life when you die? Remember the ultimate retirement package? Life. A free gift from God, from Jesus, because he died on the cross. He shed his blood for you, my friend, and for me to make a way for us to be in paradise with him, to have the crown of life, to live forever. I want to live forever in paradise, right? I think, you know, everybody's going to live forever, but you can live in torment and suffering and darkness and burning and hell forever and ever, or you can live in paradise with Jesus forever and ever. Choose wisely, my friend. Okay. So let's continue here. Now there was back in 2015, there were 21 Coptic Christians. These are Christians who live in Egypt and they were martyrs. There was one of them was from Gehana. And just before their execution by ISIS, that's what this picture is, these, these evil guys, ISIS, demonic, I believe. And they were about to behead these guys and they were martyred for their belief in Jesus Christ. So persecution wasn't just back during the time of the Church of Smyrna or from, it wasn't just from 100 uh, to 312 AD, it's happened in our time as well, you guys. And it's still happening in many countries, especially the countries where there's Islam as the primary religion. Okay, so these guys were martyred and they went to heaven. And these guys were also praying when this happened and uh, they were trusting in Jesus. So here they, they, they went through the gates. Here it is again, you guys. This is where they went when they died. The same place that Polycarp, now I know it's just a picture, but imagine it. They went into this beautiful place with Jesus and their loved ones. And they got to see guys like Polycarp, John, John the Baptist. I can't wait, guys. I can't wait to go to heaven myself. It's going to be so awesome. Can't you? I, oh. And if you're not a believer, become one so you can go to heaven, my friend. You're going to have that opportunity at the end of this episode, guys. So hang in there. All right. Another beautiful picture of this awesome alpine lake in Italy. Look at the gardens and the flowers. They have like a walkway that goes all the way around this lake. There's shops and restaurants and just beautiful places to stay. I believe this is what heaven is going to be like, my friend. I think it'll be fragrant. I think there'll be flowers everywhere. I think there'll be blue sky and birds and even water like a crystal smooth sea. And But the main thing is Jesus will be there and the Father will be there and your loved ones. And we get to worship God and, and eat together and have fun, you guys. It's a fun place. All right. So let's get back to Scripture, Revelation chapter 2, verse 11 now. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What does that mean, conquer? In other words, doesn't give in and denounce Jesus Christ. If you stay true to him all the way even to death as Jesus promised in these Scriptures, he will give you the crown of life. 
Isn't that awesome, you guys? And you will not be hurt by the second death. These are Jesus' words, guys. You will not be hurt by the second death. That is huge, guys. Huge. I don't want to be hurt by the second death. Do you? So at the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ, and we're going to look at that further when we get into the book of Revelation even further in chapter 20, it says six times in seven verses that we will rule and reign with Christ for a 1,000 years. It speaks of that 1,000 years, six times in seven verses. It's a real time period that's going to happen after the tribulation period when Jesus returns to this earth and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years in fulfillment of so many scriptures, you guys. But at the end of that, unbelievers are resurrected to the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment of where people who don't believe in Christ, who didn't follow Jesus, and they go to this judgment and God's going to look at their works and they will all be judged according to their works, which means none of them are going to make it to heaven because the Bible says that. And there'll be different levels of hell for these people. So you don't want to be a part of that, you guys. But Revelation 1, again, remember this. Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, Jesus said. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. Only Jesus, like kind of like Joseph, he was a picture of Jesus Christ. He had the, remember, he was in charge of that place of the prison, the prison Keeper didn't look into anything. He just let Joseph be in charge of it all. Well, Jesus is in charge of it all, guys. He has the keys to death and to Hades. And he also has the keys to life, his book of life. And you want your name written in that book, you guys. Here again, Jesus said, I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has the keys, and he has a crown of life for you, my friend. Why do I say that? I say that because I know from the scriptures, he paid for all humankind's sin, for every person's sin, past, present, and future. He paid for it all on the cross when he died and suffered for you and for me. But you have to choose to receive that forgiveness. Otherwise, you don't get it. It's like a free gift that he's offering you, but you have to take it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It cost, he did all the heavy lifting on the cross, but you have to take it. How do you take this gift? You take it by saying a simple prayer. You're praying from your heart to God, and you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And you choose to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's a simple prayer. You can say it right now, right where you're at. Just stop what you're doing. Pray this prayer after me to be born again as a child of God, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and to go right into heaven when you die or if he returns. Would you like that? All right, well, say this prayer after me. Repeat the words after me. You are praying from your heart to God. You're not praying to me. You're praying to God. All right? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. 
I believe he shed his blood for me. And I believe that in three days, he rose from the dead and that he's alive today. I believe Jesus is alive and I choose to follow him as my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. Please help me to do that. And thank you for forgiving me. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, my friend. Amen. If you did that, congratulations, my friend. It doesn't matter how bad you were of a sinner. If you did that truly from your heart, you believe Jesus, you are born again as a child of God now, and you will be in paradise forever and ever with Jesus. That's a promise that he made. All right. So, hey, God bless you guys. Hey, we're going to be going into Revelation chapter 2 even further in the next episode, uh, continuing along in these churches. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button down below and share the good news with other people, especially if you prayed that prayer. Share the good news. Spread these videos. uh, Tell people about them. Hey, God bless you guys.